Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Ezekiel chapter uh, 33 and verse number 1 says again, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, uh, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I would bring a sword upon the land, if the people of the land uh, take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman. And when he seeth, talking about the watchman, when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. And whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. And he shall hear the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, and if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel, and therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, and he turn and he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Lord Jesus, I'm asking that there would be a special anointing that would rest in this place today. And I'm asking for your power, for your wisdom to be in this place, God. Anoint my mind. Give me words of wisdom to speak. Anoint the minds of these people. For it is that anointing, God, that destroys that yoke of bondage. I'm asking for your mighty power and your mighty spirit to move in this place. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. God bless you. You may be seated. I, I want to preach today about um, the watchman, the watchman, the watchman. And here in the book of Ezekiel, the word of the Lord comes to Ezekiel and uh, begins to talk to him and, and talks to him about the necessity of there being a watchman on the wall. The place that the watchman would be uh, housed in biblical times would be 
there would be a wall that would surround the city. And they would go around the wall until they found out the place that had the very best viewpoint. Where there was the most visibility. And, and, and that's where they would build the watchman a place to reside. A place where he could stay during the day and then there would be a watchman at night. And there was somebody always there on guard duty. Somebody always watching. And, and the job of the watchman was, if they seen anything in the distance that looked abnormal, if they seen anything in the distance that did not look proper, if it, if, if it was just something that maybe, maybe they seen something move, some movement in the distance, and uh, they could not identify what it was. They would, they would sound an alarm. They would sound a trumpet. And, and the trumpets would make different sounds. And there was, uh, there was sounds for bad weather approaching. There were sounds for, uh, sounds for friends approaching. And then there would be the sound of enemy approaching. And so you had to be in tune enough to know. You had to have an ear good enough to listen to the sounding of the trumpet to know what was taking place. And, and the watchman, his job was to make sure he knew what sound to put out. And, and so the Bible begins to tell us here, the Lord spoke to Ezekiel. And begin to talk to him about the necessity of being a watchman and doing your job. If you see danger coming, it's your job to sound the alarm. And if you don't sound the alarm, then in the day of judgment, their blood is going to be on your hands. And, and if you sound the alarm, but yet they reject the alarm, and they reject to respond to what you're telling them, then your hands have been washed of their blood, and their blood is then required at their own hands. And, and this is what Ezekiel is, is receiving from the Lord for Israel. And, and I, I'm thinking about this message, this word that Ezekiel is getting from the Lord of the importance of a watchman on the wall. I, I know that we're living in the year of 2014 and, and the mindset, I, I've been preaching since 1981 and, and, and there is a difference in the atmosphere, there is a difference in the climate uh, back 30 some odd years ago when I uh, began my ministry, uh, it, was, it was a different feel. Uh, I, I remember in those days uh, traveling around evangelizing and, and preaching. I could preach a message uh, about hell and I could preach about uh, the impending danger. I could preach about the rapture and it would move people. I could preach about Calvary. And it would move people. 
and, and, and conviction would move in the house of God. And, and I've seen people moved and stirred by the Spirit of the Lord, by the preaching of the Word. But we are living in a different age and a di- different atmosphere. We're living in a generation that is uh, everything has to be documented. Everything has to be facts and figures and, and everything has to be worked out scientifically. And, and, and you know, I'm going to tell you something about the church. There's a lot of things that's going to happen in the church that you're not going to be able to figure out with a pencil and paper. Uh, there's going to be some things that's going to happen in the house of God that you're not going to be able to do a Google search and find out an answer for. There's some things happens around here that that is a man of God perhaps being led by the Spirit of God. And maybe there is the man of God, the watchman that is in that lofty place on the wall. And as he looks out in the horizon, he sees something that doesn't really have the right appeal or the right appearance and and it doesn't feel right about it. He doesn't really know why it doesn't feel right. He doesn't know why uh, it doesn't appear to be right. But there is something in the spirit that is talking to him and and is letting him know that this is not right. I've been to prayer. I've been with God today and and I've got shut in and for some reason I, I, I just don't really have a, a good feeling about this. And so the watchman, uh, he walks to the podium on that evening uh, and he lifts up the trumpet uh, and he makes a very clear and certain sound uh, in the ears of the congregation. But there are those uh, that are sitting in the house of God that that don't have the same feeling that the men of God is God. And, and so there is, there is a contrast of opinion and there is a difference of ideas. The man of God has been walking with God. The man of God is being led of the Spirit while you have been out doing whatever you are needing to do for that day. <laughs> and so there's a lot of stuff don't go together. And, and I feel right about what I'm preaching today. <laughs> There's two times I like to preach. That's when I, I, I feel like people are liking it and when I feel like they're not liking it. And there are some people liking what I'm saying right now, but there are some people that are sitting there, and I, I, I pick up on your spirit right now, and I'm going to preach to you. I feel right about what I'm doing today. Praise God. There's going to be some things that the man of God's going to preach and talk about. That maybe he can't give you, you know, I preach some things at, in, at home I don't have chapter and verse for. You know, the Bible says the Holy Ghost will teach you some things. <laughs> Did you know that? So, so you, may not, you may not have chapter and verse for everything. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not getting off into crazy doctrines and false doctrines today. But I'm going to tell you something. When you get, when you get to walking with God... And you get to listening to the Spirit. And you, you know, there's, I, I, I've been preaching this whole year. My, my topic this entire year 
has been about prayer. I've been preaching every service about prayer. That's what I've been preaching about because I don't know of anything any more important in the year of 2014 than to have people praying. I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about a little quiet time of meditation with God. You know, you know, in, 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 in the upper room, in the upper room, they, they prayed. You, you know that prayer meeting lasted for seven days. That's a pretty long prayer meeting. You know, we, we, want, we want another Pentecost. But I'm asking those, let, let me tell you what Jesus said. When he got ready to ascend up into the heavens, Jesus, Jesus, before he left, he said, what I want you to do, I want you to go to Jerusalem and tarry until you be, everybody say tarry. Everybody say tarry. You know that means just go there and wait. You just go there and tarry until the power comes. I wonder what kind of Pentecost we could have in 2014 if I could get some people at First Apostolic in Tulsa, Oklahoma, tarrying until the power came. I'm not talking about just having this, you know, some people call praying, some people the only time they pray is before their meal. I hope you're doing that. Matter of fact, Brother, brother uh, Treadway, Brother Treadway came and preached for me. And, 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 and so I took him out to eat. And, and I wasn't really, you know, I prayed before my meal, but, you know, I'm kind of low profile about it, you know. And I took Brother Treadway out to eat, and we got ready to eat, and I said, Bless our food, Reverend. He said, Dear Heavenly Father, we want to... And I'm telling you, he was talking like I'm talking right now. People's looking at... I'm like... Whoo! Yeah. Yeah. And they prayed and tarried until... You know, we want the power to come without the tarrying. But Jesus said, It ain't coming until you go tarry. It might have took them seven days to get in one mind and one accord. I'm going to tell you, I believe if we could have a seven-day prayer meeting, we could probably get all y'all's minds gathered in. Throw the cell phones out the window. No, you can't bring a cell phone to prayer meeting. Leave your cell phone away from the prayer service. It don't work. And, and they prayed until the Holy Ghost came. And you know what happened on that day? There were about 3,000 added to the church that day. And they prayed. Listen, listen. They put Paul and Silas in jail. You know what they did? They prayed. You know what happened? The prisoners heard them. They were in a dungeon, a place of solitary confinement. And they were praying and prisoners were hearing them pray. Hey, I believe when you pray, you need to pray out where people can hear you. Let the prisoners hear you. Let, let the neighbor next to you know, hey, I'm over here praying. I'm serious about God. Daniel prayed. Guess what? They heard him pray. They went and told the king, we heard Daniel pray. I want to pray where sinners can hear me praying. I want it to be when they walk in our church before service uh, that they're hearing people pray and lift up their voice to God. You want God to deliver you out of a lion's den? You better be praying where people can hear you. You want to get out of a Philippian prison? You better be praying where somebody can hear you. 
Oh, yeah, man, we got this dignified Pentecost. Brother Holmes calls it pretty Pentecost. We got this fancy Pentecost, and we know how to pray, and we know how to be all modest. I'm going to tell you, when they prayed on the day of Pentecost, they got accused of being drunkards. They got accused of being just wild and crazy. That's the kind of Pentecost I want, where the Holy Ghost is being poured out, and real genuine things are happening in the Spirit. <laughs> There's got to be a man of God. Thank God for your pastor that's got a, got a fear of God. He came and spoke to our youth just a few weeks ago, and, and, and he inspired me because he was pre, uh, preaching and, and, and talking to our young people, and he talked about praying and getting in a vein of prayer. You stirred me up about praying uh, until you get out of the carnal state. Praying until you get all of the junk out of your mind. And praying until it's just you communicating in the spirit. Uh, Paul talked about it being moanings and groanings uh, without utterance. Uh, when you're at that place in prayer, uh, you're touching heaven. Uh, things are happening in the spirit. That's the kind of prayer we've got to have in 2014 if we're going to have another Pentecost. Isaiah talked about it. Isaiah said, you want children? Before travail, he laughed about it. He said, who hath heard of such a thing? He said, when Zion travails, there's going to be children Born. Some of you ladies know what I'm talking about, travailing before the birth. You know what I'm preaching about right now. That's the way it's going to be in the spirit. When there are men in this church that gets willing to lay on the floor and pray until they get connected in the Holy Ghost, that's when children are going to start being born in the kingdom of God. When there are women that are more interested in a prayer meeting than they are a trip to the mall, that's when Things are going to happen in the spirit. There's got to be somebody that gets hungry. I want God more than anything. I want God more than anything. I want God more than anything. So God put a pastor in our life watchman and he looks out in the distance and he sees impending danger because he's been with God this man of God is a praying man I've been with him he he don't he don't mess around when it's when it's his preaching time he is somewhere getting a hold of God you pass by this church and you see his vehicle parked here He's not here playing games on the computer. He's in here seeking God. He's in here preparing and getting ready for what the Lord is dealing with his heart about. And he gets up. And he says in the distance, I see danger coming. Man, I've had, I've had people, I would be up at night praying for them. And they'd call me the next day and say, hey, I... 
What about this new job? What do you feel? I'd say, you know, I was up praying last night. I didn't even know you were thinking about changing jobs. But I don't feel like it's a good idea. And you know, sometimes they've listened and sometimes they haven't. But you know what I've learned? Is those people that are the most in submission. I'm not, I'm not a dictator. I don't, I don't, I don't want to tell you what kind of bubble gum to chew. I, I, I'm not interested in what color tennis shoes you buy. I could care less about all that junk. I don't care what kind of car you drive. I don't care what kind of house you live in. But what I am concerned about is what's going to affect you spiritually. I had somebody come talk to me the other day about, about moving off. I, I don't know. May, I don't know where they said Montana or I don't know where. It was, it was a long ways from church is what I know. And I, they, 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 they told me how much money they could make. It might have been, it, this, it might have been $100 an hour. I don't know. It was a lot of money. It was a lot of money. I think they was going to work 10 hours a day and and I think it was like $1,000 a day they would make if my memory's right. And, and, and you know, I, I'm a preacher. I, I'm, they're, they're, we're partners. I get 10% of that. Maybe I need to preach about that a while. If you want to be blessed, you better be paying that 10%. I tell you what, I tell you what God told them Old Testament priests. He said, I command, go command them to give their tithe. Command them. Boy, some of you'd get upset if you walked out of here today and your car was sitting on blocks. We go take your tires off because you ain't paid tithes. We're going to go sell them. You wouldn't like that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we partners. You know, I got I got a little interest in this. I'm I'm good good good. I am real good with figuring ten percent. I know how to do that. I mean, you just take a zero away, and it's mine. Yeah, that's a pretty good deal. And so I got that figured out. And 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 so and so so I'm sitting there, and I'm I'm thinking about this because these people pay tithe, and and I'm thinking about this. Man, this is hundred bucks a day. It's a pretty good deal. Seven hundred dollars a week. Just tithe. That's pretty good money. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. I'm feeling good. But there was something in me when I sat on that wall and I looked in the distance. I said, it ain't right. I said, it's spiritual suicide is what it is. That's what come over me. So far, they ain't done it. Praise God. You know what? The, the, the man of God can't always tell you what you want to hear. It, it, you, you, may, you may look at it on pencil and paper and it, it may look like the very best decision. But when that man of God feels in the spirit that there's something that's an error about this. You know what I found out? That the people that are in the most submission to what I'm preaching are the people that are the most blessed in every way that I can think of. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe in this. There is no reason. I have people, I've had people come tell me that, that they felt like God told them to go to another church. And I'm like, oh, really? God told you to leave this church and go to another church in our town? I said, God told you that? 
Now you want to get me cranked up real quick, you start that line on God. Because God ain't told you to leave First Apostolic Church of Tulsa because of what I'm preaching. I get a lot of visiting preachers. Don't tell me you're not getting fed. We have good visiting preachers come by. So we have enough of them to feed you. So God ain't telling you to leave one apostolic church in this town and go over to it. So anyway, if any of you, I don't know why, I, that ain't in my notes. I just added that. Sometimes you just add as you go. Yeah. So God telling you to leave this church, landmark, landmark, apostolic, holy roller, tongue talking, devil chasing church. If God, if you think God, God ain't told you to do that, the devil's telling you that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good stuff right there. Because that's a lie from hell. You understand? That is a lie from the devil. And, and, and because this man of God walks in the Spirit. This man of God is led of the Holy Ghost. This man of God is praying. This man of God is getting in the pulpit and feeding you on a regular basis. And so you need to, you know what? I, I, I got the Holy Ghost. Brother, brother uh, Weeks. Uh, I like what you said because I got the Holy Ghost when I was seven years old. Hey, I'm going to tell you, the Holy Ghost is good. I've never drank beer, wine, whiskey, never drank none of that. I, I've, I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never been to the bar room. I've never been to the honky-tonk. I've never been to the picture show. That's what we used to call them, picture shows. Uh, our preachers preach against picture shows. All you new agers, that's called the cinema now. Yeah, just in case you don't know. Hollywood movies. Whether you may bring that in on your iPad. Yeah, I ain't watching no movie up here. This, let me tell you something about this iPad. It's one of the first generation iPads. I'm an original. But it ain't never watched a movie. Not a Hollywood movie or no other kind of movie. I'll tell you what it has done. It's read the Bible through several times. It's got the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that, and, 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 and so I, I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking. Matter of fact, the past few weeks, I've been really on this. I've been I pray, I, I do my best to pray until I pray through every day. Now, you know what, do you know what I mean when I say pray through? I'm talking about you pray until, until all the junk gets out of your mind. You've repented of everything you've done. You've repented of every evil thought you've had. You've repented, you have, listen, you have forgave everybody that's done you wrong. Because if you can't forgive, you, there's no forgiveness to be given to you. You've got to be able to forgive. And so, and so I've been praying until I pray through. But one of the things that I do in my prayer meeting, I spend time in thanksgiving. Just giving God. Because I'm going to tell you something. God don't like unthankful people. Ingratitude is a spirit that we're cursed with in this day and hour. We're cursed with that. People just, it's like, I deserve this. I, I, I should have this. And. Man, this, this is like a welfare mentality that people get when they come to church. Get out of that. If you've got 
I need your mercy, Lord. Man, I love that song. I need your mercy. That's what I'm needing. I need mercy. And, and, and so if I want mercy, you know what? I've got to be merciful. If I want forgiveness, I've got to forgive. I've got to, I, I, it don't matter how wrong they've done me, it, whatever they've done, I've got to be willing to lay it on the altar and say, you are forgiven. I'm not holding it. Because I'm going to tell you something, when you start holding bitterness and grudges in your heart, all of a sudden you're going to be filled with hatred. And you're going to be a person that nobody wants to be around because you let that seed of bitterness grow and take over your mindset. You better pray until you pray through every one of those spirits. Every day, Paul said, I died daily. Every day, I got to crucify my flesh. Every day, I got to bring my body under subjection. bird shot today. I'm scattered all over the place, but that's all right. I feel right in the spirit what I'm saying today, but the, Jesus, Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. He's in the garden of Gethsemane and, and he's prayed until his sweat has become as great drops of blood and he's crying and he's praying because he's Jesus Christ, God Almighty, manifesting the flesh, knowing everything from the beginning all the way to the end of time. He knows everything that's going on and he's got enough sense to know that in just a few hours he's fixing to suffer the worst beating of his life in just a few hours they're going to spit on him in just a few hours they're going to put a crown of thorns on his head in just a few hours they're going to nail him to a cross and he's praying father if it be thy will let this cup pass from me nevertheless not my will but thy will be done that's how you got to pray you got to pray until that spirit of yours breaks you got to pray until that desire of yours breaks you've got to pray until your flesh is out of the way not my will but thy will be done comes out of that kind of intense prayer meeting and the disciples that for three and a half imagine Jesus Christ being your pastor some of y'all say oh I'd like that it'd be pretty incredible because they brought somebody blind bam they got their sight they could roll caskets in here and Jesus could say, Lazarus, come forth. And set up the casket. Pretty incredible. The deaf could hear. The lepers could be cleansed. They run out of wine, uh, water. I'll run out of wine. They could, they could turn water into wine. That's not intoxicating wine. It's fruit of the vine. Jesus ain't going to get everybody drunk. Don't get crazy. So that'd be pretty incredible how that, come to our church. Jesus is our pastor. And so here you come bebopping up in here. Jesus is our pastor. Oh, praise God. Jesus is our pastor. And all of a sudden, Jesus just kind of looks in the congregation and says, Whew. I know your very thoughts and your very intent. I know where you've been today. 
I know everything you've done today. You understand what I'm saying? We're going to vote Brother Calhoun in. Yeah. You'd probably win over Jesus. Because when they got to thinking about what all Jesus could really do, it wouldn't all be all peaches and cream. Yeah. And so Jesus walks out of that prayer meeting. And there's those disciples. They, they come to prayer too, but, you know, they've, they've, they've had communion and everything. And they're just going to. And Jesus comes out. And he's wiping sweat. And he's just looked into that cup that had Calvary in it. And he says, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? And he said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. I'm going to tell you the kind of prayer that's going to keep you from temptation is that prayer like Jesus just had over in Gethsemane until he prayed, until he broke. Not my will. Most ever temptation that you are given to is for selfish, self-centered gratification. And Jesus said... Not my will, but if I drink of this cup, I'm going to Calvary. That's the kind of prayer you got to have every day. And so I got to praying. And in my prayer meeting, my mind went back down memory lane. I was a kid five years old. My mother, my 80-year-old mother's here with me this morning. I was five years old. She was, I guess, probably 35, 36 years old at that time. And there was something in that service. My old pastor, he was six foot six. He was a giant of a man. He played an old guitar and sang. He played some old bar chords. Before he got the Holy Ghost, he played in the bar room. When he got the Holy Ghost, he, the bar room was right across the street from the church. He just moved across, across the street and kept playing the guitar, just changed songs. Yeah. And so they'd have their music turned up loud, and he'd turn ours up louder. They'd turn theirs up, we'd turn ours up. Man, it, was, it sounded like it was in New Orleans, man. It, just, it, it wasn't Bourbon Street, but it could have been. Bar rooms all across the street, the church over here. He's in there playing that guitar. I'll never forget it. Five-year-old kid, I looked up at my mama. It's the first time I'd ever felt God. I I said, I want to go pray. I knelt down. I was only five years old. I had, you know, I had that. I, I couldn't stay focused on anything very long at five. But if there was a few minutes, I got focused and tears started running down my face. And I didn't know much about it. I just said, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I didn't get the Holy Ghost that night. I, I was a slow learner. I didn't get it till I was seven. But I've been thanking God for that old pastor of mine. Because I'm going to tell you about the pastor. The pastor, he, he, he leads a church. And 
And, and, and my pastor may not have been everything, but I'm, I'm going to tell you what he was. I'm going to tell you what he was. He was a praying man. And, and he believed in revival. And, and he brought a revival atmosphere. I'm going I'm to tell you, the pastor can bring revival or it can, it can bring an old cold carnal spirit in a church. You need to thank God for your man of God that's doing everything in his power to lead you and guide you to the place where young children can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I, I, I believe Brother Holland was maybe here, here a while back and and he told me that there were several children got the whole. Am I right about that? Somebody, I don't know, you was telling me about several children in one service getting the Holy Ghost. You know what it was? It's been this man of God guiding you for the last 11 years and saying we're going to have an atmosphere in this place. When sinners come, they're going to be able to feel the Holy Ghost. When backsliders come back, they're going to be able to feel the Spirit and the power of God. We're not worried about talent. We're not worried about ability. We're not worried about all of that. But what we are worried about is a move of God in every service. Thank God for my man of God that is creating an atmosphere in our church that my children can get. I'm telling you, daddies, you need to be thanking God every day that you've got a pastor that is trying to lead you in the paths of righteousness to have revival. He's not trying to See how close to the world he can walk? There's a compromising spirit that's trying to push him that way. There's preachers that are caving in by the dozens. But thank God you've got a man of God that's got a backbone like a sawlog that says I'm going to stand up in a compromising age and we're going to have revival and we're going to have holiness and separation from the world. I'm closing. You can stand. I'm closing. So this man of God does everything in his power to lead you to a place. Now, I'm going to tell you one more thing, and then I'm going to try to close, or maybe two more things, or maybe three. No, I feel right. God sent me with this today. This man, and I'm not trying to embarrass him, but this brother Jason Calhoun is one of the most sincere. I've been off with trips with him, and he's the real deal everywhere you go. He's not one thing here and something else when he's off with a group of preachers. He's just what you're seeing. He's solid. He's steady. And so what I'm telling you, you have found a rare treasure in this day. He's not going to hotel rooms watching television. He's not getting his sermons off a of sermon.com or whatever that junk. I don't even know what it is. I never got one off of it. He's not doing all that. And I'm going to tell you, men, if there's a man in this church that slips around and says, you know, I don't know about that, Brother Calhoun. I don't know what he's up to. Let me tell you something. There's a spirit of silence 
will get on somebody. When somebody brings up a something against your preacher, don't just sit there and listen. Say, hey, buddy, let me tell you something. When I was going through the worst trial of my life, guess who stood by me? It wasn't you, old tailbearer. But my man of God stood there. When I was sick in the hospital, guess who came to see me? It wasn't you. Because those people that's always stirring stuff up, they ain't going to, you know, I had a man one time. I, I, I went to Tulsa. And I, I, had, I had five men in the church. Five men. Big church. Had five men. And the youngest one was about 45 or 50. And the oldest one was 92. And I'm 33. I come in there. I've been evangelizing for 14 years. I went in there to have revival. Well, they didn't want revival. They wanted me to, I, don't know, I guess, pay the bills. It was, there was $1,000 a month coming in and, I mean, five hundred a month, a uh, six hundred a month coming in, and a thousand going out. I, I you understood me, four hundred dollars every month in the red, and I'm the new pastor. Me and my wife never talked about how we was going to survive financially. We just felt like God spoke to us to go, and we just took off. It wasn't no financial decision. If it was, it was a bad one. And so after I get there, we had two or three people pray through, and they want to know about the money. I'm like, you want to know what? About the money? I want to know about it too. Where's it at? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Anyway, this man, he, he started. Matter of fact, he went and got an attorney. And the attorney said, if you hired him, you can fire him. Well, I mean, it wasn't nothing worth play. Give me some funeral music. And it wasn't worth, it wasn't nothing worth fighting over. But what God put in my heart was worth fighting over. I told that man, I said, if you want to run me off, that's your business. I said, God spoke to him and told me to come and you'll answer to God for it. Because evidently you got all the cards in your favor. And uh, one by one, those men got up and walked out. Four of those five men were attacking me. One of those men was a great man, but a spirit of silence came over him. Sometimes your man of God needs to hear your voice, sir. You say, well, I don't want to make nobody angry. You stand with your preacher, your pastor, your man of God. Don't sit there silent and let somebody run your preacher down. Because your babies may be hearing what that talebearer saying, that gossiper saying. Look, let me tell you something. This is a human being right here. You pinch him, he's going to scream. You cut him, he bleeds. His wife's the same way. She's got real feelings. She's a real person. But I'm telling, I'm telling this church, and it, it ain't, it ain't nothing to me, man. I'm fixing, I'm fixing to get out of town. So it ain't nothing to me. But I'm telling this church, God has put you together. 
Now, I may be taking something a little out of context. But the Bible says, what God hath joined together, let no man set asunder. And God has joined this man to this church. And if there's any man that opens his mouth against this man of God, hey, I'm going to tell you something. The scripture says, touch not mine anointed or do my prophet no harm. That's what the Bible says. I'm not making this stuff up. Now, in 2014, this ain't popular preaching. I know because it's, it's a mind. It's a democratic. The body rules. We govern. Well, let me tell you something. God has a divine order in his church. And it, read it for yourself. Some of you need to go read your Bible from cover to cover. You need to know what it says. You know, there's probably some of you sitting here that ain't never read your Bible through. Shame on you. I went to Brother, Brother Phil White's mother's funeral in McAllister, Oklahoma. And it stirred me up. It changed my life. Brother White preached his mother's funeral and said, my mother read her Bible through 63 times. Man, here I am, an evangelist, pastor. I ain't done that. Let me tell you what I've done. I have corrected my wicked ways. And I've been reading my Bible at least one time every year. I'm telling you. I want to know what's in that word. That's what I got to give an account for. But if somebody somebody's speaking against your preacher, you need to stand up. Hey, ladies, if somebody talks about your pastor's wife, you say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's who that that is who's that who that's who's helping me. That's who's helping my children. Man, that's who, that's who. And God has put you together. And don't let anything pull it apart. When somebody starts working on that, I tell you what you need to do. You need to say, hey, brother, I like you and I love you and I'll pray with you. But that ain't right and you're not talking. I don't want to hear what you, if you. If you don't like the way he combs his hair, I don't want to hear it. If you don't like his shoes, I because this man, you ain't got to work. He ain't getting off in the doctrine. He, is, he has submitted himself to many elders in his life. And, uh, man, he's got, he's got great men of God in his life. Brother, Brother Green, Brother Phil White, great men of God. I don't, know, I don't know who all it is. But he's got great men of God in his life. And I'm telling you, those men, those men, if they just got the sin that Jason Calhoun was doing something wrong... They would be on him like rice on gravy. That's right. I'm telling you. Am I, am I right about I got elders in my life. And if they just got the sin I was doing something wrong, they just maybe dream it up. They get on me. And I say, I didn't do that. Whew. Trying to convince them sometimes I didn't is a deal. Yeah. That's right. That's, me, me and Brother Calhoun, we're, we're in submission. We can't expect you to be in submission if we're not in submission. And so we're in submission to elders. And these great men of God, you don't want this church to... What you're doing has been working. It's working good. Why do you want to change it? Don't reinvent the wheel. It's already working. You don't need no new thing, no, no compromise message. You don't need less. You need more. What we all need is more.
So anyway, I, I've had them to fight me, and, and I've had men that sat there and wouldn't say nothing. There's been preachers that left churches because I, I had a preacher preach for me a couple years ago, and he left a church that he had pastored 20-something years because there was a couple men rose up against him. And the good men, he, he told me this, he said the good men just sat there in silence. They were good men too. He said they were praying men. But he said the only ones that were talking was the backslid, carnal-minded people. Don't you let the backslidden, carnal-minded people influence what goes on in the kingdom of God. You let the... If you want to have... A, let, me t- let me tell you something. I'm closing. I'm closing. I'm closing. This is for real. This is real. Uh, the most important thing in this church under God is your pastor. That's God's order. God speaks to the man. The man gets in the pulpit and speaks to the congregation. Read it. It's in your Bible. So there's nobody has any more authority in this church than your man of God. Because he is the one hearing from God. He's got the heartbeat of this place. He knows what's going on in the spirit. He's praying, seeking God, fasting. He's crying over this church when you're in your bed asleep at night. He's carrying a burden. He, you, this, this kills me. I'll go off and I go out of town to preach. And I get back and, and I got this one dear old sister. She's a great lady. Brother Dykes, did you enjoy your trip or you rested up? I've been out of town working. Hey, that ain't no vacation. The man of God goes out of town and preaches a, a meeting somewhere. He said, oh, Brother Calhoun, you look all refreshed. They'll, they'll do that, man. I come dragging in there on Sunday night. They said, oh, you look all rested up. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I've been on vacation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, when your man of God goes out of town, he don't take a vacation. He's going out of town to work. He's going out of town to preach. He's going out of town to carry a burden for somebody. And when he gets back in town, he needs, he needs men of God. I've been praying, God, give me praying men. Give me men that, that can go to Gethsemane with me. Give me some men that can pray with Give me somebody that can get under the burden like I feel it. And you're wondering why you're being seduced by all kind of temptations. You come out, you come out and you haven't been with God. You need, you follow your preacher. Follow your man of God. you got a leader that's worthy of honor. you got a preacher that's worthy of, of following. You can pattern your life after him. You can pray like him. Man, we got, we got ladies in our church that my wife, she rocks all the time. Guess what? We got ladies in our church that are sitting there doing this. We, we got visiting preachers come by and say, boy, these ladies are all rocking. And, and they pray. I've walked into church. It sounds like my wife in there praying. These ladies, they pattern their lives after them. And, and, and you got good leadership. Pattern after them. Follow them. Do what they're doing. You're, you don't have novice up here that don't know what they're doing. You've got real genuine leadership. Let's lift our hands and pray. God.